0: So I've had clients in the past when we go to pull building permits, that they realize that the upper floor was storage. It was never meant to be living space. And so that's not a legal square footage. The basement was just a cellar and that wasn't supposed to be finished. So I've had people that bought a 3,000 square foot house before that only bought a 1,200 square foot house, but they paid the 3,000 square foot price for it. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This
1: is Around the
0: House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B. This is your home improvement source every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Caroline and I are sitting here in the studio waiting to tell you a whole bunch of good information today. Hey guys. Thanks for joining the show. Hi, Caroline. How you doing?
1: How are you? How are you doing, bro?
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think we should, you know, it's kind of a new day today just because we've changed networks. You know, we're part of the talk media network now, and most people don't Yay. realize that we were part of some broadcast group. It's just something that's kind of the backside of radio where they're the people that distributed us, and uh, we've got a whole new thing going on, and thought we'd tell a little bit about ourselves uh, since, you know, Caroline, you're a fairly new addition to the show here earlier this summer, and I we've kind of reformatted the show, right?
1: Exactly. Well, let's start with you. So right. tell everyone, because it's easier when someone asks you questions than you talk about yourself. So Eric, <laughs> has been, Eric, I'll interview Eric, which is kind of a switch. I like that. Oh, so, I like this. Eric, how long have you been in home improvement?
0: Wow, I have been in home improvement professionally since the early nineties.
1: Okay.
0: And, uh, I was working in not the traditional big box store home centers, but I started out when I was, uh, going to community college, I was working at an Ernst home center, which was a big West coast, little tiny, you know, it's like a home center, the size of a, of a Walgreens or something. It's just a little tiny home improvement store with a garden center out the side. So not much of a, you know, little tiny thing like that. And, um, did that for a while. I was working radio at the time too. So I had a, a radio gig and I got tired of flipping the burgers at McDonald's. So I started to work home improvement instead. And uh, that was cool. my two jobs while going to college.
1: What was your favorite? So when you worked at the home improvement store, what was your favorite part of the job? What did you like doing the most?
0: You know, at that point I was working between garden and kitchen and bath design. My favorite part of the job, and this is going to totally totally date me because they don't do it this way anymore my favorite part of the job was tackling shoplifters as they went out the front of the door <laughs> we had a loss prevention person and and they'd go running out i'd go running out and and i was perfectly okay to do a full-on double leg tackle out in the parking lot with these dudes
1: oh my god that's hilarious so, so bodyguard can't do that I feel comfortable, women and men. I've got my own personal bodyguard, so don't feel like you can ever approach me because Eric is there. That's
0: awesome. So it was, yeah, it was awesome. I got to use some of those wrestling skills as a kid going out. And, and,
1: uh, WWE. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. So. I can actually see that career for you. That doesn't like shock me. A little bit of some human so. growth hormone and you're good to go. Oh,
0: no thanks. No Thanks. I don't need to get into the, uh, into the, like the cycling issues that were had with Lance Armstrong and stuff. No need, no need.
1: So fast. So fast <laughs> forward to today, tell our audience, like, so Eric does a lot in the home improvement industry. So tell him a little bit about how you speak at the building shows. And so he's much more than just a podcast radio personality. So they need to know that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I spent almost 30 years as a luxury kitchen and bath designer. You know, that was my career, designing kitchens and baths. I own my own design firm. I work for big design build firms. We had production facilities where we would crank out hundreds of cabinets a day, or we would do, you know, big production stuff, like we'd go in and design out a casino and build all the stuff for the casino. So there was lots of different stuff. I do high rises, that kind of stuff. So fast forward to now, uh, now I do a lot of speaking to either kitchen and bath designers or to the larger building community. Like I speak every year for the national association of home builders at design and construction week. I typically have my own stage there where I go up and talk about either, you know, um, smart home stuff to kitchen and bath design. Any of those things are kind of in my purview. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Eric's the type of person too. And I can, it's always easier when someone else kind of puffs up, puffs up your, what you do, right? Because he, it's hard to talk about yourself like that. And, and you shouldn't. But Eric is very, very savvy when it comes to technology and what, what's going into a home or what's available. So he knows the latest and the greatest. And, and that's something that's, it's just a, a trait he has of keeping up with that and liking it. I think you like technology just in general. I think you find it, you're kind of a techie guy.
0: Well, and I think what happened is how I got into that tech stuff is early on, I was starting my own business and I didn't understand how to build a website. And I didn't have the thousands of dollars back in the day. So I was like, time to learn. Mm, that's great. I mean, this last week, my hard drive quit on the computer that uh, it didn't really quit. It just got overloaded because I've got terabytes and terabytes of of show stuff that's saved, you know, in the mm-hmm. archives. I've got, you know,
1: a thousand
0: shows sitting here on hard drives. <laughs> so, And they're all backed up, so it's all good. But my... My drive quit on that, and it just was so jammed up full that that where my operating system was. And I called Geek Squad, and to be honest, there was going to be two weeks of my computer down, <laughs> and we don't have two weeks for that. So I went down and, and figured out how to do it and did it myself, you know?
1: Dude, that's amazing. And that's but how that, I've think,
0: always been, figured it out, you know? Just isn't that the it out. key,
1: though, to a really good home improvement person? I mean, knowing one getting the knowledge and being smart enough to get the correct knowledge so you do it right, but then actually being able to dive in and do it. So you have all the key ingredients to make a home improvement star, if you will. So well, thanks. To you. But
0: the other problem is when it relates to homeowners that are doing it, I have seen more examples in the last couple of weeks on a lot of the home improvement groups that I am of people getting information overload that they find out, they dive in, they find 10 different ways to do it five of the 10 different ways to do it are completely wrong. And then they're trying to figure out what's the right way to do it. So I think there's a balance there of of getting the information because sometimes your sources can be really bad. So you have to be able to navigate that and figure out what's the good source to get the information so you can get the project from A to B.
1: But that's why our audience comes to us because you're an expert at that. You can easily shift and sift through all of that stuff and give them what they need because that is the problem. We have so much information now. I mean, content everywhere we go and that's why we try to be very innovative on the show. And I think we try to provide you the latest and the greatest and not too much overkill of stuff that you already know.
0: Absolutely. Hey, we're going to have to go out to break in like a minute and a half here. So I want to make sure and ask Caroline a few questions here too. We'll have to drag this into the next segment a little bit. So how did you become America's healthy home expert?
1: God, that's like such a, it's such a daunting question. No, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Where did it start? Where did it start to where you went? Hey, that's kind of a cool subject.
1: Going back to like not having content, right? So 20 years ago or over 20 years ago when I started, I mean, Eric, we didn't have the internet. So we had to go, remember, I had to go to a library. Remember Microfish? I don't know if you had to research something. You had to go to the library and actually pull documents. And I mean, when I was in college, you know, we were just starting the beginning of those, you know, computer, the computer era uh, with computer labs. But I date myself. But, you know, that's the way it was. So I had to do everything by scratch. And we could talk about it in the next segment, but it's kind of wild. Like, we didn't have the internet. So word of mouth spread that I was, like, interested in mold and mold testing, and I thought there was a correlation to health. So isn't that kind of crazy? Just by word of mouth, it started, and people started talking and saying, hey, I want to get my house mold tested.
0: It's pretty wild. Absolutely. And we come back. I got a few more questions for you, Caroline. And then we're going to dive into talking about home inspections if you're buying a house or you've got somebody coming in to look at your house we're going to dive into that a little bit later in this episode so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that when we come back we will talk about that and some more riveting questions of caroline we'll yeah. be back right after these important messages thanks for listening to around the house joining us. Hey, real quick, before I get back to asking Caroline a couple questions here, I want to make sure that uh, you pay attention to our social media because we're going to have a show coming up here in October Mm. that is going to be all about hoarding disorder. And we would love if you've got some personal stories, some personal questions, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com, hit the contact us. We'd love to hear those stories so we can ask those questions and make your personal issue with this or whatever it is, part of the show. So that way we can uh, respect your questions. We're not going to put you on live with us, but we just want to see if we have any questions that we can help with that.
1: Yeah. And it's completely anonymous. So you can write in a question and you might have a question about cluttering or hoarding or why people do it. And it's a very serious issue. And Eric and I have both dealt with it in our careers and dealing with clients that have this issue and, and how to navigate it. Because as a contractor, it's not always easy to navigate when you're trying to get a job done and someone doesn't want you to move their materials or belongings, right?
0: Exactly. So we want to take a very serious look at this. This isn't like the TV show, and I'm not going to bash the TV show, but we're not going to sensationalize this. We're going to take a very honest and serious look at the disorder and see if we can help you out in our audience. Because I know there's plenty of people out there that are trying to navigate this, and I figured why not? for us to jump in and take this on head on and see what we can do to help everybody out.
1: Yeah, definitely. So write in, we'd like to have your questions. I want to hear what people think and it helps us to kind of narrow down the topic and make sure we're answering all the questions you need.
0: You got it. Well, Caroline, I've got some questions Uh here for you. We were talking about kind of just a a reintroduction to everybody at the show and, and our backgrounds. And, you know, Caroline, you, you've been known as America's healthy home expert you are kind of in my book and and most people's the the queen of healthy homes across the US and i wanted to figure out you know you you dove into this early you didn't there wasn't a lot of information out there but what kind of really drove you into getting into this this subject because of course there wasn't a lot of discussion about it and back in the day when you started there was a lot of sick homes out there but people weren't addressing it
1: Yeah. They just didn't know, you know, and we, and there was no way to test Like Now you have an environmental consultant or you have an indoor air quality professional or an IEQ evaluation or a building consult. So people come in, but back then nobody ever thought, Hey, a product I'm using could make me sick. Mold in my house could make me sick. We're just touching on radon. Radon was the big issue back then, but really nobody ever looked at residential homes. Everybody looked at maybe more of a commercial building, right? For an OSHA standard, or maybe a a standard for a work environment. So yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah,
0: It is. And one more question I had for you was, Mm -hmm. how did you originally get into radio to start with? And what got you going with radio before there was podcasting?
1: Well, before I started my career as an environmental inspector, I had worked in radio. And Eric and I had both had radio licenses since we were 16 years old. My high school had a radio station. His high school, right? You had a radio station as well. So we started in radio and then through college, I did it to pay the bills. I used to dress up as um, one of those big B's for one of the radio stations, B104 out in Allentown. So I'd put on that big B papier paper mache <laughs> head with the body and I'd go out to the, to the movie theater and I'd wave at people like, hey, B104. So that was kind of my, I worked at the radio station to make money in college and we had a college station. So that's how it all started. And then, and of then course, you became
0: a world famous intern for our world famous radio show program.
1: I did. I was a Howard Stern show intern. So I got to work at the show for about a year and a half. So that was kind of interesting. So we talk about that sometime. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, so it's crazy yeah. how we get into these professions and just to give you a little piece of our lives, but I've been an environmental inspector for 20 years now and seen 30,000 homes in my career. So that's what You've done I well. do by trade. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've done well. Well, let's dive into one of the biggest issues that I'm seeing out there. And I know you are too, is that the housing market has been hot for a number of years now. And people are going out and looking at homes. Like you can go out and look at a home. You've had some experience with this. You go out looking at a home and there's so many buyers that are lined up mm-hmm. that you don't even really have time in some cases to even put together a typical home inspection Nope. Let alone the one you might want to do for the house that's actually legitimate kind of soup to nuts inspection to give you all the information you're looking for.
1: And the realtors want to actually get these deals done quick and they want cash deals. The least amount of inspections you can do is what they're vying for because it makes their life a lot easier. But as you, the customer or the buyer you are getting the short end of the stick. You cannot, and this is from, you know, somebody who's got a lot of years of experience doing environmental inspections. You cannot buy a property unseen. And people have done it. Like they're they're buying properties where they're not even looking at them. I, our friend of the family just bought one in North Carolina, sight unseen, saw it on the internet bought the house. No inspections at all. I mean, you you just can't do if that. If
0: you do that, yeah, you gotta be prepared to gut the thing down to the studs. If you have to. Or even worse, yeah, I mean, you've got to be prepared for that because if you're buying it sight unseen, there are so many things that could be wrong with that. Just structurally within the basic operating systems of a home. Not even talking about the obnoxious neighbors next door that might have, you know, know. four school buses <laughs> and 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 a and an auto body shop next door that are their junk is creeping over into your yard. I'm talking about just the basics.
1: No, hundred percent. And so they're either buying a house sight unseen, right? They're buying a house without inspections or very limited inspections. I mean, there's some things that you can't get away from, like a water test. Like here in New Jersey, for example, we've got to do water testing, right, to close the deal. You may have to do a raid on oh, well. whatever, the, whatever the bank's going to require you. But that's not the same with every state. So um, there's some things you you can't get away from. Yeah, like in Oregon,
0: all they require here is a radon. That's it. So you yeah. can have your home inspection. And then sometimes, depending if it's a city, there might be a sewer scope test that you have to do. But it's really radon, sewer scope, everything else. There's no other inspection needed. No water, no, That's no great. Isn't lead, it crazy? no nothing.
1: Yeah. No, and you could really get into some... It's an expense that you are not looking for. Like mold is a perfect example. People get in and they think, oh, the basement just has a little bit of mold. And then they find out they've got toxic mold. They've got mold throughout the ductwork. The HVAC has to be ripped out. I mean, these are costly repairs that you do not want to get stuck with when you've already paid full price for a house because this market is just so crazy.
0: One thing, and we're not here to bash on inspectors uh, because there's some really good ones out there. But the problem is in almost every state is that, that inspector is really only liable for the price that you paid for the inspection. So if you paid $450 for an inspection, just to pick a random number and they completely miss a massive structural defect in the house. If you go back after the inspector, they're only liable for that $450. They're not liable for the $50,000 to fix it.
1: That's really crazy. I can't even. I mean, and really, nobody. When you buy a house, you're basically liable. I mean, there isn't really anybody you can go after unless somebody lied on, say, a, um, a disclosure statement or something like that. I mean, really, you're it's buyer beware. Well. Where I've got something I want to touch on about house fires when we come back out of the break. That kind of goes with that interesting story. I'm Eric G. I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the
0: House. house. Hey, it's Eric G with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company, maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show, or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos? My team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House.
1: Hey, this is Farewell farewell Angelina. Angelina. And you're listening to Around the House with Eric G.
0: It's your grandmother's home improvement show where we talk home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Well, we've been talking, Caroline and I here, talking about dealing with home inspections and she brought up a great point as we're going out to break about fires in a home.
1: Yeah. So when you have a fire, a lot of people think that the issue has just been resolved, right? So the fire has been cleaned up, you've encapsulated your wood. Okay. No big deal. But as an environmental inspector, I do a lot of air testing. And so we would do what's called a fire panel. And it's actually a panel that you run the air sample and you can see what kind of debris and and particles are left over from in chemical compounds, mostly that are left over from fires. And it's incredible because years later, like I've tested houses that were five, six, seven years out from a fire and you still have a major chemical load. So when you're thinking about purchasing a house that has had a fire, it's really important. There are tests that you can do to kind of see how much of those chemical loads are still behind. And you were talking about the wood and how things, you know, there's a lot that's done, right? So you have to spray your wood and it gets wet yeah. in there and it absorbs chemicals in.
0: Yeah, you think about it. So you have a house fire and, and things have gotten out of control. You know, you've got plastics and, and flooring and carpet and all the different things that that, that get consumed and and all the black yeah. smoke and stuff in there. You think about it, you got the fire department rolls in, they're hitting water on it. You've got hot wood that is dry as a bone because it's been inside for, you know, decades to to centuries, depending on the house. And then all that moisture gets sucked back in. Well, then they come in with dehumidifiers and dry it out. But it's dropped all of those chemicals into that wood and almost like pressure treated it back into the wood. Yep. So that's where the issue gets. And, uh, yeah, that can be a big problem, especially when you're trying to restore a place.
1: Yeah. So there's just so people know, when there is a fire, there's actually you can ask an IAQ professional to do a fire panel. And that'll kind of give you an idea when you're buying a house. And this gets back to the idea of you don't want to eliminate these inspections because they're really key to helping you. And not every home inspector knows how to do various inspections. So just because you have a home inspector doesn't mean he's good at every single category you're going to look at. So chances are you'll have a home inspector, you'll need a mold inspector, maybe you'll need a water test guy, maybe you need a fireplace professional to come in and check all your flashing your flus, you know, your, your, how your Chimney bricks sweep, are laid. Yep. Yeah. So don't think just because you have one inspector, that's all you're going to need. You really do need an arsenal. And like when I go out to do houses, I've got an arsenal of people that work with me to do make sure our house is okay. It's not just one person. Yeah.
0: Let's go down that checklist a little bit. Cause of course, you know, your bank is probably going to require that they have that inspector come out. Cause they want to make sure that they're loaning on a house. That is something that is uh is livable and they they have their investment protected, right? I mean, Correct. that's what a lot of these inspections are. It's it's the bank that wants it more so even than what you've got going on. That's and right. so, like when I moved into the house here, we had an inspection that was already done because there'd been a deal that had, uh, that had fallen through hmm. at the last minute. And I looked at it, went down through the list. I did my own inspection because, quite frankly, I thought I knew more than what the inspector did. Mm-hmm. and I found more things than what they did, but they were all in the realm of fixable things for me that I knew I could do as far as DIY segments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hindsight being 2020, if you're that new homeowner, you kind of have to go down and check the boxes and say, okay, what inspections do I need? So first off, you're going to have that general inspection that yeah. they're going to do that's it's probably required in your instance. If you've got wood burning, For a gas-burning stove, I want to have somebody come out and inspect that, right?
1: Yeah. Because you need to know what
0: you've got working.
1: There's two things that you, when buying a house, in my opinion, that you've got to do. You need to have mold done. You should not buy a house without a mold inspection and a water inspection. And these are key, even if you have a well or you have city water. Because what happens is that city water, And you heard about this in Flint, Michigan, and in places where there was lead contamination, the pipes outside that lead to your house could easily be causing contamination in your home. And that may be an easy fix, or that may be a $40,000, $60,000 fix, depending on what's wrong, right? So, and then yep. you're stuck with that property with contamination, and you can't get rid of it. So, those are key things you want to look at, in my opinion, right, going into this. So, water yep. test, mold test, inspector, what else do you like to look at that's outside of a normal home inspector's purview?
0: You know, I, I, within that mold test, I also want to see in there if it's, you know, if it's an older home. You know, just a general air test to see if you've got, you know, asbestos fibers. Has somebody gone through there and cleaned that up? But mm-hmm. really, one of the things that I want you to do is is I want you to track down and find out if that house was built or added on correctly. Mm-hmm. And this is one mm-hmm. of the biggest catch-22s that don't get caught when you're buying a house. So let's say you're buying that 1920s farmhouse. And you're like, oh, it's beautiful. It's got fifteen hundred square feet on the main floor. It's got a thousand square feet basement. And it's got eight hundred square feet up top in yeah. the for where there's bedrooms and stuff up there. If someone did illegal non-permitted additions on that, you're buying a house that doesn't include that square feet footage. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I go down to the tax assessor's office. That tax assessor will tax and assess if you have a house that's only a 1,000 square feet and you tell them it's 3,000 square feet, they're going to tell you that we'll tax you for 3,000 square feet all day long. They don't (sighs) care. But that's not the legal square footage of your house. And many times the listing agent will use that to say it's a 3,000 square foot house. But for instance, if that house had 800 square feet on the main floor, and they enclosed two porches and did an addition that wasn't permitted, that didn't get picked up. Mm -hmm. So I've had clients in the past when we go to pull building permits that they realize that the upper floor was storage. It was never meant to be living space. And so that's not a legal square footage. The basement was just a cellar and that wasn't supposed to be finished. So I've had people that bought a 3,000-square-foot house before that only bought a 1,200-square-foot house, but they paid the 3,000-square-foot price for it.
1: (laughs) That's incredible.
0: And nobody caught it because the bank's not looking for it. And the scary part is is that you're buying this house based on the square footage, right? There's so much how, you know, I'm paying $250 a square foot for this house. Well, no, you just spent $500 a square foot because you bought half the house you thought you did.
1: It's insane.
0: So that's the catch-22 that I don't know of a state that actually does the research because I think what needs to happen is you need to go to the building department and see what your square footage of your house is because that's legally what you're buying, not what the tax assessor is. And so that's what you got to be careful with. Many times there'll be less bathrooms, there'll be less bedrooms and less square footage in the building department because of people changing stuff.
1: So similarly to that, you have to watch. So if you buy an old house that doesn't have closets, this is really interesting. That can directly Mm -hmm. affect your taxes. So for example, say you buy a house and it's old and the four bedrooms upstairs don't have closets. They -hmm. won't count those as bedrooms if they don't have a closet. So your tax... Bracket, your number that you pay for taxes will be less because it's technically not a bedroom. But if you move into that house and you do remodeling and you decide to put closets in, which a lot of people do because they say, Oh, I need the space. Now, all of a sudden, when you go to sell that house, you might get a really big uptick in your taxes because now you've got that person did a job. Maybe they did it without permit. They just put in, you know, closet spaces or whatever, remodeling. And now you're going to be paying high taxes.
0: When we come back, I want to tell this story about a government architect that messed up in this development that they were building government homes and the architect, they were building the homes and forgot to put closets <laughs> in every single one of the homes. Mm-hmm. And this is hilarious. They literally forgot to do it and how they fixed it. So when we come back, I want to tell this story because it's so hilarious. And this happened in tri-city. So in Richland, Washington, Washington, over at one of our affiliates, KONA. This happened in that town back in the 40s. And we'll talk about that just as soon as Around the House returns. Today's indoor air quality tip is brought to you by Pyramid Heating and Cooling and PyramidHeating.com. Gas and electric cooktops and ranges can add more indoor air pollution to your home than any other item. Your range hood needs to be correctly vented all the way outside of your home. Make sure it's not vented into the attic, as that can create more mold and pollution issues. The recirculating hoods don't do a great job of removing those pollutants and moisture from your air. You want that all vented outside. When you're cooking, make sure you're using the hood to get all that bad air outside your kitchen. If you have a larger hood over 400 cubic feet per minute, make sure you have makeup air to replace that air. An open window can be help, but there's nothing more efficient and helpful than a great functioning range hood. To thrive in the great indoors, visit PyramidHeating.com, Oregon CCB 59382. Make sure and tell them Eric G. sent you because they work on my house. That's PyramidHeating.com. with Eric G. and Caroline B, where we talk home improvement every single weekend. And thanks for joining us today. We are going to have a giveaway in the next episode here in the next hour. So make sure you pay attention to that. We've got What Tools Inside coming in and we're going to be talking. They've been on the show before. They're good friends of Around the House. So it's going to be great to bring them back on. Well, Caroline and I have been talking building inspectors, right? And home inspectors to be specific especially when you're trying to buy a house.
1: And we don't want you to get caught. We know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the real estate market right now. People are antsy. They want to get something. So they're willing to compromise their inspections, which is a no-no. You cannot. And I understand you might lose a house, but in the long run, it's going to be better for you. So really, really don't do that. I know it's tempting because you want to get through it. But Eric and I were telling you, there's a lot of things that you just might not realize you're getting. So tell out of exactly. the, coming on the break, you were telling a story about we were talking about bathrooms, right, or closets actually. Um, closets, closets, yeah. And uh, how so if a Room doesn't this ha- have a closet. Oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so these houses in the Trey cities, and so these these homes here um, were built because they were that's was part of the house the Hanford nu- nuclear reservation. So they had a lot of government housing after World War II because it was part of the Manhattan Project. And so General Electric was building a bunch of tracked home lots in there for the government so they could bring scientists and people in there to to work on this project. Hmm. And so there are these ranch houses, which are three-bedroom, one-bath homes that they had built. And the story goes that the architect was flying back to Washington, D.C., had -hmm. just had the meetings. They were building the houses. He was going back through the plans on the airplane, which probably was like some D.C. three-year prop plane (laughs) back in the day. And realized halfway across the U.S. that he made a huge mistake and forgot to put closets in every single one of the homes.
1: How do you so they had to have the a closet? Like, right? how does that even happen? How do you not put closets in? That's insane.
0: So they forgot the closet. So they had to go back in and build these really crazy three-eighths plywood, wood, <laughs> almost furniture-like closets. And they built them in the rooms because you know how I I know they built them in the rooms because you can't get them out through the doors. Oh, my God. So that's why they made them built in because it couldn't be removed from the room. So I owned one of these houses, and I did the research and found out why they didn't have closets. Huh. It's because they forgot to put them in. Oh, my God.
1: That's crazy. I wonder if they... And so... Go ahead.
0: Well, those houses were hard to remodel because... Like, for instance, there was one of the homes that they – it was harder to get really good field dirt to pack it in for the foundation because they were slab-on-grade construction because out in the desert. So when you go to remodel one, sometimes there was like three feet. It was just easier to get concrete because they use concrete for the construction of the nuclear stuff. So they would just order more concrete trucks. So your slab that your home was on, I've seen 30-inch, 36-inch – Huh. Thick concrete slabs
1: for the floor. That's amazing, but that's kind of good. Like we kind of want thicker slabs, like here in the Northeast, we do anyway, because then you don't get a lot well, of, as much moisture. The problem
0: is, is all the the the, the plumbing in the house is cast iron, mm. including or 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 well, you got cast iron, but the bigger problem was is the water lines were galvanized pipes, so you had the galvanized that ran through that, mm. so you had to cut into the concrete. To replace oh, no. the, uh, the water line. <laughs> and now you were trenching out th- super thick concrete to lay it. Not and you not. had to basically just tunnel through the concrete. It was horrible.
1: Yeah, that's not good. Not good. So
0: that was horrible. But back to home inspections after <laughs> my crazy story. You know, another person I think that's important if you find any kind of damage. Like if I would look around as a homeowner, walk around and make sure you have no cracks in the foundation. Yeah. Make sure that's dialed in. If you do have a foundation contractor, come out and take a look at it. And if you've got two or three cracks I'd have a structural engineer, come out and take a look at it and make sure you don't have some kind of house settling issue mm-hmm. that's going to be expensive to fix down the road.
1: No, that's huge. Oh, and remember the the note that your real estate agent, remember the note you had next to the crack? Oh,
0: I showed you that one. That's right. I forgot about this. It, I'll, I'll share it back up on around the house again, because it was, uh, I posted it up a number of years ago. I was out having, a, I was doing an inspection for somebody looking at a foundation crack and they had, the realtor had posted up a note that said this homeowner had lived here for <laughs> the last decade and have had no issues with the foundation And this sign is next to a crack that is so big I could stick my hand in it.
1: (laughs) It's funny. She just wrote like a handwritten note, right? And stuck it on the crack.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right there. On the crack. And I'm like, I guess you're acknowledging it, but (laughs) that crack had been there for 30 years and the house has been moving around. I mean, it's still not good. It's still not good. So these are all important things. It's just like having a heating and air conditioning Person come out and look at your system. If you've got a a heat pump or a heating and cooling system, having them to come out and look and see has it been maintained? You could have a system that's dialed in and beautiful, or you could have a system that was poorly sized that was not maintained, and you're going to spend some serious money to get it going.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting when when I was looking at a house for one of my clients, um, the realtor and I kind of got into it a little bit, and. You know, I didn't really tell her who I was. I didn't tell her I was the national home expert, but I'm in there. And she, I said, well, you know, what's the age on the septic system? And she goes, oh, it's like, you know, 40 years old. I said, well, that's Mm. not going to pass inspection now in the township that we were in. She's like, of course it is. She's like, don't even worry about it. And I just couldn't Uh. even, this this was the reaction to a lot of different things. Like when I said, well, there's mold growing all over the rafters in the basement. Well, you can just wipe that down. It's no big deal. And you'll hear a lot of realtors will say that to you like, "Oh, it's no big deal, you can just change it." And that's just not the case. Yeah, you can change it, but it might cost you $40,000 to do a remediation project on a 3500 square foot basement with two old air conditioners and all the ductwork that's contaminated. So you have to think about that. Just
0: And here's the thing with septic systems that I've had them in the past. I've I've installed new ones. I've I've been around, I've done this before. The problem is with a 40-year-old septic tank, that could be working beautifully awesome if someone took care of it along the road. Mm -hmm. But if someone didn't, if it got 30 years of heavy abuse and then the last homeowner tried to keep it going, that could be a problem. And the issue is it's not like you're sitting around there and you can just go, oh, I'll put another another leach field in. Right. Technology and codes have changed. Codes.
1: It's the codes. That's right. And so when so, she's saying it's okay, what was okay for 40 years ago, the township has changed all kinds of codes for the field. So it's not, we knew it wasn't going to pass. And she was just like, oh no, it will. And we're like, there's yeah. no way it's not happening. Yeah.
0: And the new codes, when you replace them, sometimes you have to put in pumped and pressurized systems with multiple tanks and secondary fields. And you can get into a, like you said, a $40,000 problem really quick Plus, you've got to re-landscape that front or backyard, depending on where you're putting it, because you've now gone in there and dug up and replaced that entire leach field and tank.
1: And this house was five, I think it was five bedrooms at the time, and I think it was almost 5,000 square feet if it wasn't. So you're looking at about $60,000 in replacement. So you have to think the bigger the house, the more it's going to cost you. And people often look at the house and say, oh, you know, I'm getting a really good price on this house. She's willing to cut the price because we're going to have a cash deal or we're not going to do inspections. But at the end of the day, those mistakes are going to cost you heavily, especially if they're big ticket items. And the bigger the house, the more expensive it's going to be.
0: It gets expensive. Deny.
1: <laughs> I mean, walk it's away. one of those,
0: yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, these things here, when you do this, I mean, it gets, it can add up super quickly. Oh my you know, God, it's completely. just, <laughs> it's crazy. And, and I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it happen so many times that you get into the project and nobody knew. And unfortunately the realtor might not have done their best due diligence. They were worried about it. I have a great realtor that I work with and there's a lot of great ones out there, but there's a few out there that are just trying to push the sale on and don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then you're all of a sudden in, in a situation where, you've kind of committed to a house, but you've got bigger problems. My
1: experience dealing with realtors and, you know, because of my industry and a lot of the times I'm called in when the situations are quite bad, right? You've got massive amounts of mold toxicity, and my experience with realtors have not has not been so fuzzy and shiny and i'm i'm not i'm not embarrassed to say it at all a lot of them have no home experience at all they don't understand remediation they don't understand water contamination they don't understand ground contamination oil tank contamination these are big things people that you get big ticket items so you cannot just go in and buy a house blindly i'm sorry you have to do inspections yeah. to protect yourself
0: it's wild. It's wild. Well, we have wrapped this subject up, Caroline. We have run out of time this week, and we got to get over to our buddies at What Tools Woo-hoo! Inside.
1: Free prizes! To talk to people. them. We're giving away All right.
0: free stuff. Free stuff. Free stuff. We Woo-hoo! love that. All right. I'm Eric G.,
1: I'm Caroline B.,
0: and you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House.
1: House. Come on.